I greet you this morning in the name of Jesus the Christ as we gather in worship. It's good to see all of those who have joined us on Palm Sunday here in the sanctuary with Faith and Arts Center, along with those who have joined us online. I need to start the sermon this morning with a small confession. I am not a golfer. I know, what were they thinking when they sent me to Buckhead, Georgia? I always felt like I was missing out on something, but I never had the money and time at the same moment, and now I've got a bad back and neck and shoulders and knees, and the list goes on. And I never, ever view golf on TV. Frankly, I'd rather watch paint dry, except the first week of April when I joined millions of my closest friends watching the Masters Tournament in Augusta, Georgia. After all, it is a tradition unlike any other. This year, the Masters occurs during the Holy Week observance of the church, and next week, the finalists will play the last round on Easter Sunday afternoon. When you begin to think about it for a moment, the tournament's title is an apt description of Jesus' final days, the Master's Week, which is the title of our sermon series, arcing from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. And today we hear the story of how it began from Mark chapter 11, beginning with verse 1. As you're able, I invite you to stand in honor of the reading of the gospel. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethpage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, Why are you doing this? Say, The Lord needs it, and will send it back here shortly." They went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. As they untied it, some people standing there asked, What are you doing untying that colt? They answered as Jesus had told them to, and the people let them go. When they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. Jesus entered Jerusalem and went into the temple courts. He looked around at everything, but since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. Amen. And would you please be seated. Holy Week remembers... Jesus' final days in the city of Jerusalem. It begins on Palm Sunday and culminates on Easter Sunday. But if you look at the liturgical calendar, today actually has a dual title. It is called Palm Passion Sunday. Palm Sunday, we get, it recalls Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. Passion Sunday refers to Jesus' suffering and death. And they're both combined on the same Sunday in part out of a recognition that many Christians skip from Palm Sunday to Easter Sunday. 
They go from palm branches to Easter lilies, from Hosanna to highest to the Lord is risen indeed. But there is a journey we need to make together. A journey that sees the height and width and depth of God's love for each and every one of us. And during this holiest of weeks, we are called to deny self, take up the cross, and follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Mark's gospel this morning tells us how Holy Week began. All four gospels agree and describe Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. John alone tells a story of Lazarus being raised from the dead and how that was the straw that broke the camel's back and how the religious leaders began to plot Jesus' death. Jesus and the disciples were in Bethany and they traveled to the village of Bethpage about a thousand yards away from Jerusalem's walls and Jesus sent the disciples ahead to find a donkey colt. This must have been a disconcerting moment for the disciples. They thought Jesus was going to ride into Jerusalem as a conquering king, perhaps on a prancing stallion. They thought this was the moment when God's kingdom would come in its fullness, Jesus would be crowned king, and of course they would take positions of honor on his right and left-hand side. Instead, he rode humbly into the city of David on a donkey, fulfilling Zechariah 9.9, Rejoice greatly, daughter Zion. Dance, daughter Jerusalem. See your king come to you, righteous and victorious, lowly, and riding on a donkey, the foal of a donkey. The people took their cloaks and threw them before Jesus to soften his path. They stripped the trees of their branches, tossed them in front of him as well as waved them, and shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. The disciples did not yet suspect that that triumphant parade would become a death march. And the shouts of Hosanna cries of crucify. A group from Northside Church traveled to the Holy Land in 2019 and we retraced Jesus' Palm Sunday path, walking down the Mount of Olives. And as we did so, there's a huge Jewish cemetery that covers the hillside. You see, the prophets foretell that the Messiah, the Christ, will appear on that hillside overlooking Jerusalem, and there the dead in Christ will be raised first. Well, the dead, not the dead in Christ, will be raised first. The disciples would later recall Jesus' final days in Jerusalem, his actions, his words, the cleansing of the temple, the parable of the vineyards, a discussion about the resurrection of the dead, the greatest commandment, the widow's might, what the end times would be like. And then they came to Thursday evening, the Jewish celebration of the Passover feast, and Jesus sent his disciples ahead to prepare an upper room in Jerusalem. We had the chance to visit that site. And there were Christians from around the world in various languages, and we recited the Lord's Prayer together. 
John's description of what occurred that night differs from Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It's John alone that tells how Jesus took the form of a common servant and bent and washed his disciples' feet. Thursday in the church calendar is known as Maundy Thursday. Maundy comes from the Latin word mandatum, which means command. And Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, love one another. People will know you are my disciples if you love one another. It's Matthew, Mark, and Luke that tell the story of what we now know as the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. How Jesus took common elements and filled them with extraordinary meaning. He took bread, gave thanks to God, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples and said, this is my body. And after supper, he took that crimson red wine and gave thanks to God and then gave it to his disciples and said, this is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sin. After dinner... Jesus led the disciples to the Garden of Gethsemane at the foot of the Mount of Olives. He asked Peter, James, and John to accompany him deeper into that forest of olive trees, and there he fell to his knees and prayed. And three times he prayed, and three times the disciples fell asleep. And finally the Lord said, Enough! My betrayer is at hand, and Judas gave him a kiss of death. And the mobs fell upon him and arrested him. And the very disciples who had promised they would be faithful to the end deserted him, denied him, betrayed him. We had the opportunity to visit what is called the Church of All Nations. It's also known as the Basilica of the Agony. And it is the traditional site where Jesus offered up prayer to God. And you enter into that, that beautiful structure and there's bedrock exposed where Jesus knelt. Exiting the church, the Garden of Gethsemane with its ancient olive trees is next door. And we walked the paths and struck by the beauty of God's creation. And as I was walking through, I, I noticed some of the gar gardeners had been pruning the trees and had piled the branches beside the pathway, and I walked past, and ten feet later I stopped, because it suddenly struck me where I was, in the Garden of Gethsemane, where Jesus prayed. And I retraced my steps and picked up two limbs from the pile that had been placed there by the gardeners, and then I brought them back, smuggled is too strong of a word, I brought them back to the United States. I may have broken a few U.S. Custom and Department of Agriculture rules along the way, uh, but they've been sitting in my office ever since. And if you just looked at them when you walked in, they're just dicks. But they have a more sacred meaning to me. And one of these days, I'm going to take the two simple stricks and form them together with wire and the sign of the cross. The mob took Jesus to the palace of Caiaphas, the Jewish high priest, and when you visit that site, in the basement there is a deep pit 
where prisoners were lowered awaiting trial in the darkness. It was quite humbling thinking of our Lord awaiting his trial. The Jewish high council, the Sanhedrin, had gathered together. They had already decided the verdict. They just couldn't get the witnesses to agree on the same lie. So finally, Caiaphas himself confronted Jesus and said, Are you the Christ, the Son of the living God? Jesus finally answered and said, Yes, I am. And you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of the Mighty One coming with the clouds of heaven. And Caiaphas ripped his robes and said to the Sanhedrin, We need no other witnesses. He has condemned himself. And they judged him worthy unto death. And they spit upon him and hit him and mocked him. And the guards took turns beating him. One obstacle remained. Under Roman rule, only the Romans possessed the power to execute a criminal. So the Jewish high council dragged Jesus to appear before the Roman governor, Pontius Pilate. If you cross from the Garden of Gethsemane over the Kidron Valley, today you will come to what is called the Lion's Gate, where pilgrims can enter into the city of Jerusalem and begin what is traditionally called the Via Dolorosa. It's a Latin phrase that means the way of suffering, the way of sorrows. And there are 14 different stations of the cross that mark both the biblical and extra-biblical events of Jesus carrying the cross. And the first station is at the Fortress Antonia, where Jesus would appear before Pontius Pilate. When you read the accounts, it's obvious the governor had absolutely no interest in these charges about blasphemy but he was very concerned about the potential of a riot in the middle of a crowded city on the Passover feast. It was a custom to release a prisoner at Passover, and there was another prisoner whose name was Barabbas. That's really not a name. In Jewish, in Hebrew, Bar means son of, Abba means father, means son of a father. You can say it in a much less polite way in English. But he was a revolutionary who had been charged with murder. And Pontius Pilate offered to release Jesus, but they called for Barabbas instead. And he asked, well, what will I do with this man you call king of the Jews? And that cry began, crucify him. And Pilate said, why? What wrong has he done? And it began even louder, crucify him. And Pontius Pilate, the symbol of Roman justice, turned over an innocent man to the guard where he was whipped with a cat of nine tails. And they clothed him with a purple robe since he was a king and pressed a crown of thorns upon his head and beat him and mocked him. And when the fun was over, they put a crossbeam across his shoulders and led him out to the side of the crucifixion. That place was outside the walls of the city. It was called Golgotha. In Latin, Calvary, it literally means place of the skull. And most assume from a distance that the pile of rocks did indeed resemble a skull in some way. And then Mark's gospel starkly states, they crucified him. 
And the Roman soldiers gambled for his clothing at the foot of the cross. Passers-by, even those hanging on either side of him, reviled and mocked him. It was mid-morning when Jesus was crucified. Three hours passed, and by noon, the sky began to darken. Creation itself, veiling its sight from the death of the Son of God. Three more hours passed, about mid-afternoon, three o'clock. And with his last breaths, Jesus cried out, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. Words so horrific that Luke and John did not choose to even include them in their Gospels. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And he breathed his last. Pontius Pilate, when the report of Jesus' death came to him, confirmed his death and then allowed Joseph of Arimathea to take charge of the body. Joseph took Jesus' corpse to a nearby newly hewn tomb or cave. And there he was laid, and a large stone was rolled in front of the mouth of the tomb. And Mary Magdalene and the other Mary witnessed these things. And night fell. The Church of the Holy Sepulcher marks the traditional site of Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection. Christian pilgrims since at least the 4th century have visited that place. It's overseen by six different religious orders. It is a rambling structure that has a confusing, bewildering array of chapels and altars, various religious people doing various things, and tour guides are not allowed to go inside because it is a sacred site. So you have to kind of find your way yourself. When you enter the massive doors, there is an ancient stone stairwell that goes to your right and ascends up to the site of the traditional place of Golgotha, the crucifixion. And there are two different altars that mark the site. It was back in 2017 that I led a group from Lawrenceville First Methodist to Jerusalem. And one of our associate pastors had traveled with the bishop and the ordinands at the same time. And so I met him at the bottom of the steps. And Andrew took me by the arm and said, Bill, I just went up there. There's a bunch of folk up there. There seem to be two altars. What is that? I said, Andrew, it's Golgotha, the site of the crucifixion. And his eyes grew wide, and he hurried back up the steps to pray. We are a busy people. We have a lot going on. For some of you this week, your children are on spring break. You have a to-do list. You have appointments, responsibilities, obligations. And it's easy to duck into church and then back out again. But this week of all weeks, we're called to slow down, to remember where we are in these beginning moments of Holy Week, and to walk in the footsteps of Jesus to Golgotha, to the cross. It's a place we dare not miss. And we are called to fall to our knees and pray as we indeed witness the height and width 
and depth of God's mercy, God's grace, God's love. Let us pray. Gracious and almighty God, allow us to hear the witness of your word this day to pause at the foot of the cross to hear the words we will recite at the culmination of this service, crucified, dead, buried. On the third day, amen.